If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 9. And while you're looking for that, it's, if you don't have a Bible with you, let me encourage you please to take advantage of the uh, fact that there is a Bible located in the pew in front of you. Um, I would like to hear the rustling of pages today. I want you to be interacting with the text. I also, um, ushers, if there's a couple of ushers left, I don't know, ushers, um, if anybody needs a bulletin, uh, would you lift up your hand if you need a bulletin because I want you to have a bulletin. Anybody need a bulletin this morning? You don't have a bulletin? Anybody need one? All right, there's a couple down here. All right, you'll just have to hold those hands and wave at them until they find you. The reason why, okay, is because I would really like to invite you to take this tear off and actually use it because I'm going to be giving you a Cliff Notes uh, this morning of something that is um, a really uh, something that would take a considerable study and expanded and extended time. Um, but I feel like I need to present this in, in one piece this morning. But um, I'm going to invite you to do some work of uh, really digging in to uh, what the Lord has for us today. If you found Nehemiah chapter 9, it's a, um, you know, the whole book of Nehemiah is around the people of God coming back and the rebuilding that happens. There's a rebuilding of Jerusalem, there's a, a rebuilding of the temple, and there's a rediscovering of the law of God. The people of God have been sort of without any sense of center, without any sense of clarity about who they are and where they're going and what they're doing as the people of God. And so... Um, they're, they're sort of rediscovering along the way, and in, in um, Nehemiah chapter 8, um, Ezra uh, begins to read the law, and as he's reading the law, the people of God just become overwhelmed and overcome with this encounter with the living word. I mean, they just, they're, they're overwhelmed by, by what they are hearing, and so um, that sets the stage for Nehemiah chapter 9, where it says, On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and having dust on their heads. And those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood in their places and confessed their sins and the wickedness of their fathers. And they stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. Now, every once in a while, I catch just a little, you know, of, you know, we, we kind of uh, sort of uh, maybe just a little bit, maybe it's a muted mutter under our breath, you know, about, oh man, the service is so long, you know, and it's a couple hours long here, and oh my, you know, well, they got a, three hours of listening to the word of the law read and pre, whatever is happening with that, and then, then they respond for another three hours um, because God has got a grip on their hearts, okay? And then the Levites, who are standing on the stairs, and I won't go through and read all of their names. It's sort of like reading a phone book from up in Kettle River of all the Finnish names, you know, and all these names that are relatively pronounceable. And then they said, stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Verse 5, blessed be your glorious name. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are God. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host." And the earth and all that is on it, and the seas and all that is in them. And you give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. 
And now it goes on and begins to recount all of the ways in which God has poured out His Spirit over His people. All of the ways in which He has met them and cared for them and provided for them and blessed them all along the way. And now I want to get to kind of the, the, the key verse of, 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 that, of this particular recounting that will lead us into our message this morning. And it's found in Nehemiah 9, verse 19 and 20. Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the desert. By day, the pillar of cloud did not cease to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. This morning, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at eight different encounters that the people of Israel have with the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And as we look at these eight different encounters that they have with the Spirit of the living God, we are going to discover how those encounters impacted their life together as a people. And we, like they, are going to be instructed in the ways of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes in an extended passage, and he talks, and, and it's embedded in here is the fruit of the Spirit and all of those things. But I just wanted to pull out these three things that he says. He says, so I say here, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So this morning I want to talk about what does it mean to live by and be led by and keep in step with the Spirit? How is it that we are instructed by the Spirit? And to do that, we're going to go back into our Old Testament text and understand how the Lord led the people of Israel. How He directed their steps. How they lived by the Spirit. How they were instructed by the Spirit there. And as we discover how God worked among them, we will discover how it is that God desires to work among us as His people here and now, today. So, let me hear the rustle of pages as you turn to Exodus chapter 13, where we will begin our study this morning. Exodus chapter 13. Starting with verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Now, I've said it before, I'll say it again. God knows all the wonderful long cuts. He rarely follows the interstate. He likes going on the scenic routes and tours. All right? For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. And this is for their benefit, for their good. 
And the Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. And he had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. So after leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. Now listen, verse 21 and 22. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now keep your finger there for a moment and turn to Numbers. Turn to Numbers, two books over from Exodus, book of Numbers. Go to Numbers chapter 9. Verse 15, this is going to, we're just going to flesh this first encounter out just a little bit more. This is later on in the story, but it's going to help illustrate the principle of what we're going to learn here about being led by the Spirit. On the day of the, the day of the tabernacle, the tent of testimony, I'm in verse 15 of Numbers chapter 9. On the day the tabernacle, the tent of testimony was set up. The cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. And whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. And whenever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at His command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and didn't set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days, and at the Lord's command, they would encamp. And then at His command, they would set out. And sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning, and when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped. At the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with His command through Moses. The first principle that I want us to understand is that when we encounter the manifest presence of God in our lives, one of the things that we can be assured of is that He will bring to us direction for our lives. From the very beginning, as the people make their way out of Egypt, the pillar of cloud is there, the pillar of fire is leading and directing their steps. And he continues to do that throughout their season of time when they are in the desert. But I want you to notice something here. It says in verse 22 of, of Numbers, whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. Here's the key point that we have to understand then. Our response to the Lord's direction in our life must be this. We must be prepared to walk with Him and follow with Him. We must be in that place where we are ever ready to respond to His voice and His leading. You see, we're human. And so as human, what we really like is stability and security. I mean, those are like basic 
things that every one of us like. And so in my imagination, when the cloud stayed in a particular place for a year, I don't know about you, but if, you know, with me and the human beings, you know, they're putting up, you know, camel ports, you know, to park the camels. They probably are, you know, putting up some little, uh, you know, they're, they're making a little slab for the barbecue and, you know, they're just kind of settling down, settling in. But they had to be ready at any moment because when that cloud lifted, they had to go. They had to keep moving with the Lord to keep on that pilgrimage. Now that movement for most of us will be an an internal movement that's happening. It doesn't mean everybody's constantly, I mean, they're, 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 they, they were on a journey, a physical journey towards somewhere. We're on this continued spiritual journey towards somewhere. But the, but the response must be the same in us. The, the, and the response is to be prepared always to respond to the voice of God in obedience. When he says, you know, when, when God's up to something with the RNC and we have this opportunity before us and we're, you know, we can say, okay, Lord, yes. Or when God's up to something, whatever it might be, you know, in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, it's that response of, yes, Lord, I will follow your direction where you lead. All right? And I believe that's what he's calling us as a people in this hour, in this season of our life together. God loves camping. I mean, not so much, but God really likes camping. And working and going. Do you get this? You see that? Okay. Come back to Exodus 13. That's why I had you keep your finger there. So because we're we're gonna the next the next thing we're gonna discover is right here now in Exodus actually Exodus 14 as the story continues. Chapter 14, Exodus, verse one. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Harith, uh, between Migdal and the sea, and they are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon." And Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And so the Israelites did this. And when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, well, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and lost their service. So he had his chariot made ready, took his army with him, and took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. And the Egyptians and Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hirath, opposite Baal-Zephon. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord and said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? Is that what they said? I don't think so. That's not what I read. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. 
Moses answered the people, verse 13, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see it again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then the Lord said to Moses, verse 15, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites, move on. Raise your staff, stretch your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they'll go in after them. I'll gain glory, glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Verse 19 and 20. This is key and wonderful. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Now, is this cool or what? What an incredible picture of the protection of the Lord. One of the things that will happen is when we encounter the living God and the Spirit of God, not only will He direct our path, but also He will bring protection to us. What a a, a powerful... I mean, I'm a visual person, so what a powerful visual. Here they are, caught between the proverbial rock and hard place. The sea is before them, and the army, the greatest army on earth, is behind them. And there they are, crying out, and the pillar, which has gone in front of them the whole way, moves around behind the people and casts the enemy into darkness all night long while the people of God are standing in the light. That's how God works. When you follow and when you are led by the Spirit of God, don't think that you are always going to be led into places of ease and comfort. In fact, you can pretty much expect that's probably not the road that he's going to lead you on. But you can be confident of this. When the going gets tough and hard, he is there to be with you, to protect you. What a wonderful um, spiritual warfare prayer would be, Lord, send the pillar (laughs) and put it between me and the enemy. Cast the enemy in confusion. Keep me walking in the light. All right. You still in Exodus? Turn over a couple of pages. Exodus chapter 16 now. Exodus chapter 16. Our next encounter with the pillar of fire. All right. Exodus 16, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. And in the desert, this is sort of becoming a commonplace refrain, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. People are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this way, I'll test them and see whether they'll follow my instructions. 
On the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as what they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he's heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening, all the bread you want in the morning, because he's heard you're grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. And Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he's heard you're grumbling. And while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert and what's coming? And there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat. Eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. In this third encounter with the pillar, the people of God receive the blessing of provision. They receive that manna and quail. They receive what they need to provide for them in the desert place. And one of the things that you and I can expect when we are led by the Spirit, when we live by the Spirit, when we're learning to keep in step with the Spirit, when we are learning to be instructed by the Spirit, we will learn that our provision comes from Him. It's not out of the strength of your hand. Your paycheck doesn't really come from your boss. It comes from Him. Your provision is from His hand. And He will provide for you, for He is faithful. Not every want, but your needs. Give us today our daily bread. Provision from His hand. Now, turn over to Numbers chapter 11. So we're kind of going back and forth here between Exodus and Numbers. So back to Numbers. Numbers chapter 11, Here's, these are roughly in chronological order, and here is the next time that the manifest presence of God shows up to the people in the form of the cloud and the fire. It's, it's um, there's, there, again, they're, they're grumbling and, you know, they want meat to, in addition to the to the uh, manna and verse 18 of Numbers 11 because I want to get to the essential part that I want us to see here. Tell the people, consecrate yourself in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard, heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you'll eat it. You'll eat it not just for one day or two days or five or ten or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you've rejected the Lord who is among you. And you have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot. And you say, I'll give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? And the Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? You're going to now see whether or not what I will say will come true for you. Now here's the key of what we're going to look at next. So when so Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said and brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. And the Lord came down in the cloud, spoke with them, took of the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad, 
You don't hear that name much anymore, okay? Not many children named that, but... Two men, Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp, listed among, they were listed among the elders, but didn't go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop him. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all of the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his Spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Well, guess what? Moses' desire has been fulfilled. As the prophet Joel prophesied in the last day, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God is poured out, He is poured out on all flesh. And the principle that I want us to see here this morning is this is when we are walking, led by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, being instructed by the Spirit, one of the things that we can expect is that He will impart to us those gifts and graces that are needed for whatever task He is calling us to do. We can expect that individually, and we can expect that corporately. The Spirit of God is faithful to impart to us all that we need. There's an impartation. He took of the Spirit and put it on these elders. And now He has taken of His Spirit and poured it out on all flesh. All right, turn over one page to Numbers 12. Our next encounter with the pillar of cloud and fire. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoke only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he spoken through us? Now underline this one in your Bible, because this is a very important principle right here. And the Lord heard this. Guess what? When you're muttering and grumbling and... Rebelling and complaining and resisting. and The Lord hears this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. We're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. So the three of them came out and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. And when both of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. This is not true of my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? 
And the anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. And when the cloud lifted from above the tent, there stood Miriam leprous like snow. Aaron turned towards her and saw that she had leprosy. And he said to Moses, please, my Lord, don't hold this, hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, oh God, please heal her. And the Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside of the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was out confined outside of the camp for seven days and the people did not move on until she was brought back. One of the things that you can expect when the manifest presence of God begins to move and work in your life and in my life and in our life corporately, one of the things that you need to know about the pillar of cloud and fire is that He comes and He purifies His people. When the fire of the Lord burns... It will destroy everything that it cannot purify, and it will purify everything that it cannot destroy. He is relentlessly intent upon purifying us as his people. And here for Miriam and for Aaron as leaders, God was just, God was all over that. And he's all over stuff in our lives. Not because he's mad at us, but because he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And because he's intent on his kingdom moving forward without obstacle, without barrier. And so he works to purify. This is the work of the Lord in his people. All right, that was number five. For those of you that are keeping score, we have three more, and we're almost there. Come to Exodus. Back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33, beginning in verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside of the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he'd entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, didn't leave the tent. Now verse 12 tells us about one of those encounters. Moses is having this conversation with the Lord, the manifest presence of God, and says to him, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Well, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all of the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I'll cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I'm going to proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. And the Lord said, said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in a rock, cover you with my hand till I've passed you by. Then I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back, but my face must not be seen. 
The next thing that we can expect when we are walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, when we are in step with the Spirit and being instructed by the Spirit, is that He will bring a revelation. He will reveal His presence. He will reveal His purposes. He will reveal His plans. He is not playing hide-and-seek with His people, but rather He is there to reveal Himself to us. And that is one of the things that we can expect from His manifest presence among us. That He will bring revelation to us. That brings us to number seven. Two more. Stay in Exodus and turn to Exodus chapter 40 now. We're at the end of the book. Exodus 40. Just the background here. Moses has been obedient. He has set up the tabernacle exactly according to the way in which God has instructed him to do so. And then... In verse 34, it says, Then, well, verse 33, Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle altar, put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard, and so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Wow. So what's going on here? What's going on here is God is confirming his pleasure in Moses' obedience by resting on the tabernacle with his glory. It tells us in the New Testament that God will confirm His Word through signs and wonders. When we are walking in obedience to the Lord, when we are being led by the Spirit, when we are living by the Spirit, when we are walking in the Spirit, when we are allowing our lives to be instructed by His Spirit, one of the things that we can expect as an encounter with the living God is that He will confirm to us His presence with us in the midst of our work with Him. And that brings us to our final thing. Now, turn over to Deuteronomy, the last of the books of the Pentateuch here in Deuteronomy, chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31, our last encounter with a pillar of fire and cloud recorded for us here in Scriptures. The transition is is about to happen. In fact, in verse 14, the Lord said to Moses, now the day of your death is near. I mean, Moses, God speaks to Moses like a friend and he says to his friend, Moses, you're about to die. You're about to die. Call Joshua and present yourself at the tent of meeting where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting, and the Lord appeared at the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the cloud stayed over the entrance to the tent. Now, the Lord goes on and speaks to Moses and tells him about how he's going to be resting with his fathers, how, he's, uh, how, how Israel's going to blow it <laughs> when he goes, and they're going to rebel, and all of these things. But then in verse 23, now the Lord speaks to Joshua and says these familiar 
powerful words. The Lord gave this command to Joshua, son of Nun, be strong and courageous. For you will bring the Israelites into the land that I promised them on oath, and I myself will be with you. Those words, of course, are repeated to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. And in those words, and in this last picture we have, the final picture that I want to share with you this morning, we have this picture of the Lord commissioning Joshua. And remember what the word commission means. It's two words. It's co and mission. God says to Joshua, I am now going to take the mission that I have of bringing my people into the promised land and I am going to work with you as their leader. I am co-missioning with you to lead them into the promised land. And when we are walking in the Spirit, when we are being led by the Spirit, when we are in step with the Spirit, when we are allowing ourselves to be instructed by the Spirit, we become partners with God, co-missioning, co-laboring with Him in the work of His kingdom. And He commissions us to His work. Hmm. Isn't that good? Y'all, by now, it'd be really okay if you were shouting. Yes, pastor. Good news. Because this is really good news. You see, Deuteronomy 8, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. We've had a year of inheritance. We have this year of outpouring. This is the land that He's calling us to enter. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you, to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. The Lord takes us on a journey, and sometimes through the long cuts, to test us, to prepare us for what He has for us. John 14, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. And on that day, you will realize that I'm in my Father and you're in me, and I am in you. And whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love Him, and I will show myself to Him. This is the promise of Jesus to us. Sometimes we say, oh man, if I just lived in the Old Testament times when, you know, they could actually see the pillar and follow, it would be so much easier. Well, you already saw how good the Israelites did with that. And what's better than the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire out here is the manifest presence of God. In here. Whoa! That's the promise we have. So the challenge that is here before us this morning and the the challenge that I leave you with 
as individuals who are gathered here this morning and specifically and more precisely for us as a congregation, the invitation today is to walk in the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. That's the challenge that is before us. The comfort is this. He's with us. He says, follow me, and then he says, I'm going to be with you. Worship team, come on up. As we walk through this season together as a congregation where the Lord is repositioning us and and intensifying and accelerating His work among us, as we're going through this shifting time in order that we might receive the inheritance and release the outpouring, more than ever, we as leaders here at Bethel and we as ministers of Bethel, as a congregation as a whole, need to be led by the Spirit. I know that you pray for us. You pray for your pastors, your staff, the elders and the deacons and the leaders. Our missionaries all over the world continue to pray for our life group leaders, for everybody who's, who's participating in whatever level, for one another. Because we're in a really crucial moment in our life. God is, oh, there's just such a deep stirring in my soul I can't even express to you. The sense of anticipation and expectation I have. <laughs> oh God. And He has been faithful. He has led us this far. And He will continue to lead us and be with us. Let's respond to Him. Can we stand together?